So when you're starting out doing comedy, or I think really entering any subculture at all, everybody's so fucking weird that you're desperate for anyone you kind of are on the same wavelength with. They become a real social lifeline. Including today's guest, Dan Greger. In a lot of ways, it's been a social lifeline for me for years. He would always throw great parties around the holidays when things get quiet. You feel like you're in some bizarre solitary confinement. And his birthday's in the dead of winter when it's a great time to go to somebody's birthday party. We used to do these terrible shows back when we were teenagers, and it seemed like Gregor would invite half of Long Island to come see them, and they would show up, and they would end up being a lot of fun. That same level of enthusiasm has spilled over into his writing career. He and his partner, Doug Mann, have recently written the movie Chippendale Rescue Rangers, which was a lot of fun. Now, just for the record, he's perfectly healthy, and uh, by the time this episode comes out, I'm sure he'll be totally fine, but he is currently in a recompression chamber, uh, I think for decompression sickness or something, uh, which is why if, and again, we haven't recorded yet, but if it sounds a little weird on his end, that's why. Anyway, we'll be right back with Dan. Dino Dudes, the movie. Wow. It feels like the movie part isn't necessary for IP that nobody really knows. Oh, I mean, but it's nice to sort of see that even back in the in the 80s, it was uh, or late 90s or late, late, uh, late 80s, early 90s. It was it was still they were so desperate to make movies based on something. Yeah, it didn't matter. It didn't matter if nobody liked the something that they were making. Nobody it liked if if it had nothing to do with it, which this doesn't really have. So yeah, you're no, you, no. so Gregor say this came out in '92, but Gregor said uh, late '80s because it's based on a, a comic book that was published in the '80s. Yeah, it was a comic book, but you remember it was a comic book that um, it was a miniature comic book in a Kinder egg. Um, and, and I would, I would get it for my kinder egg and you'd read these tiny little pages and um, they were very cute dinosaurs. Um, there was, there was almost no mythology that like, there's no mythology sense. and there was no real, like they were just straight up dinosaurs. There yeah, was yeah, no yeah, they were, anthropomorphized, uh, no, hu- no, human I never asked quality. Myself, never asked myself, how did they become dinosaurs? I think these dinosaurs ate chocolate. That's the only thing that was like. Slightly Dino Dudes is the most 90s Ninja Turtle knockoff, rad, homeboy. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yes, it, yes. I mean, I guess they're, they don't skateboard, they rollerblade, but like the differences are all superficial. One interesting thing about the history of this is they were desperate for any IP. The Dino Dudes uh, Kinder comic was scooped up last minute by Supernova Films, who was tanking. Right. And then well, they- And Supernova, you remember, actually bought the rights to a lot of candies in the late 80s. So they, they tried to fail. They failed to, if you are aware of this, they failed to make a Starburst movie. Mm-hmm. They failed to make a Skittles movie. And these uh, are the good candies. These are the good, famous they, candies. They, they got candies that. that went out of business before the yeah. movie even got. They they tried to That's make right. a Gunkies movie. Oh, that would have been great. Gunkies is a candy that, like, you can still find at like novelty shops that uh, uh, that collect old candies. Now, what what is a Gunkies? Describe the flavor and texture, please. Well, that's the thing. It was kind of like a th- the original Three Musketeers. Was it Three Musketeers? No, whatever the one was that was like a bunch of different flavors you could get in one. Gunkies were like you would get a package. I mean, this is why they failed. There was no consistent flavor to them. They were chocolate. They were almost like Rolos, but instead of caramel in every one, there was different shit inside all. Oh, oh, so you you didn't even know. It was like a Stover's box, but like not in a way that you were happy about. And not in a box and not in a roll. They were in a bag. So like you would get this (laughs) 
I mean, and they tried to work around it by calling them gunkies. They would be, they're getting the gunk. They, yes, Got they it. would be disgusting. The only, the only promise they were making was this chocolate is filled with some gunk. So anyway, they finally get the rights to Dino Dudes. Yes. And they put a team on it that was already making a movie. It doesn't really make sense. They put Teresa Orton, Teresa Orton, actually, first uh, woman director I, I, a video I've had. It was groundbreaking. It was groundbreaking. It was very hard for women directors to get IP, uh, for women directors to get action movies. This is so out of her wheelhouse, and she did not want to make this movie. She was a good director. She mostly did kind of erotic stuff. Yeah, but it was, it was. I mean, at least for me, it was classy erotic stuff. Yeah. Uh, it wasn't. And it her was, music videos was, were good. Her music videos, were, like she had an artistic touch, and some of that comes out in Dino Dudes, but she did the music video for Craig Roman. Uh, drip for me. It was sexy, man. It was black and white, and it was. Um, I, re- I remember. I remember that uh, that there was a. They remixed that. Uh, MC Hammer remixed that actually on his second album. Yeah, and it was. They had to sue fucking, Craig. Craig Roman sued him. Um, yeah, but he lost. He lost because it ended up working for him because he would tour with uh, Drip for me as a, as a hammer as a hammer uh, sample, and it was. Yeah, Good. all those I mean, guys never, like they they now the attitude has changed. People want their shit to be sampled. I guess one of the did, did you ever see um Teresa Orman's movie Suicide by Seduction? It is good. It's um Yeah, I I saw that. That was a that was the one where uh it was Formula 1 racing. Yeah. Um and the there was the the girl who wanted to be a Formula 1 racer, she had to pretend to be a, a man to get into a car. And so, but she was discovered by, by her coach and they had a love affair. Yeah. And the coach thought it was a gay affair. Like she still was, it managed to like keep up the ruse. So he's having this whole fucking crisis uh, about his own sexuality. He's married to a woman and he's yeah. really confused. It's, it was sexy though. And some cool, like uh late eighties formula one shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, so th- this is the kind of stuff we're coming into Dino Dudes with. The written, written by, by Bill Bill Kramer. Bill Kramer, who actually has been we've we've talked about him before on the show. He wrote the Blade of Urax movies um, and directed some of them. He did the first pass on the script, and then when they and his script was too adult. So I mean, the story of Dino Dudes is really about two different visions. It's Supernova Films finally changing direction and being like, we're going to make a family-friendly crowd pleaser. And then there's right. stable of artists saying like, no, we're going to make a sleazy adult film. And so the push and pull between those two forces. Oh, it's fascinating. Yeah. Completely fascinating. You have, oh, first of all, look, this was released as a, as a G movie, if I'm correct. Um, but but, and it's way too adult. But there are the bones of something horribly filthy are there. Uh, the Dino that, Dudes have sex. Is, the Dino, but you don't see anything. You just, I mean, it's it's all in shadow. They tried to clean it up. So like Bill Kramer did a pass and he gets the story credit. Um, but then Stan Avery wrote another draft uh, and he was more of a kid's writer. He went on to do the cartoon series Power Gear. Um, mm. which oh, yes, of it course. wasn't on it was a ton. Like it, it was about those guys in the suits. They basically had suits that shot them full of steroids, and they were the heroes. Yeah, but that was then you could buy the Power Gear suit as a kid, and it was fucking great because it was felt awesome. Like you were the strongest man in the, on the field. We could talk about the plot a little bit. The well, um, I just I mean, but I do think that that juxtaposition. I mean, yeah. there were sex scenes that like fully you could see that they shot a full body sex scene. And but and then in edit somewhere they were forced to crop in on just like their face or their yeah, like, even the their quality their upper changes face. Um, because they're, the, they're the going the grain of the film yeah. is ruined and then they're and they're covering up the like the body noises with like squeaky balloon noises and it uh, it didn't it didn't work but I appreciated that they tried. I think that was cool. Yeah, I, 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 and it's sad because I like Supernova films, and we did um, uh, one of their their the, we did uh, they they also distributed Toxic Tunnel, which um, I, I talked about earlier in the the on the podcast. 
Um, this movie tanked them. I mean, it killed them. They never bounced back, and they soon went out of business. And then uh, most of their stuff became in- impossible to find because no one came, swooped in and bought it all up. I'm sh- also shocked it didn't work because I think if I would have seen this as a kid, I think I probably would have been into it. Oh, I saw it, and I loved it. Did you? It was, it was, were, I, you I know you were a Ninja Turtles guy. We, we have talked I was, about I, Ninja, Ninja Turtles. Turtles Big, big movie for me, Ninja Turtles, but I was into the Ninja Turtle comics. Then, you know, they had a couple runs of, of ripoffs. They had uh, Shark Dudes. Street Sharks. Street Sharks, yes, exactly. Those were fucking legit, and I liked them. Do you remember when we went to, I think we were at the Rustic Inn, and we were talking about drawing Ninja Turtles, and we started drawing <laughs> Ninja Turtles on bar napkins? <laughs> yeah, by, by memory, I can draw... All the Ninja Turtles, I can draw Mega Man. I can draw uh, Chip and Dale Rescue Rangers. Uh, sadly, and- sadly, I can draw draw most of these cartoons. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I try to Maybe have some- fun with it and and make them do horrible stuff. Um, but yeah. the, the the fact that that my me- muscle memory has been spent on that, you know, maybe I, like I should have put a little more time into the piano. I've told this story uh, before on other podcasts, but we're talking about Ninja Turtles. But my mom forced me to paint rocks and sell them outside a screening of Ninja Turtles. Paint and it them was the, like, like a Ninja Turtle? Yeah. Like and, green with like a colored stripe? But that would have made way more sense. No, I would paint <laughs> like an actual Ninja Turtle, like full body. I didn't t- like I didn't like paint like the shells. That would have been a great idea. And I would have probably sold some of those. No, I would just like use it like a canvas. Uh, this was my mom's idea. She was like, when I was a little girl, I painted rocks. And it was uh, it, there was actually still plenty of blank space on the rock. It was the whole dumb, like, the whole other side wasn't painted. It was just <laughs> like I would find some flat rocks. I would paint like the top of them. I filled a a, a cassette suitcase kind of thing that you that was made for your car to hold um tapes with rocks and i filled it with rocks that i painted (laughs) and then i had to like bring that to the movie it was almost like my mom was trying to she knew i wanted to go see this movie so fucking bad that what i would have done absolutely anything so she she forced me to like so were you inside the movie theater or outside we went to the movie This is and, and this is not like this is like downtown Buffalo. It's like empty <laughs> streets of the industrial yes, wasteland. Yes, it's post, like post uh, industrial Buffalo. Yeah, and um, the the closed off right now. closed off Main Street in Buffalo. No passersby whatsoever. The only person who bought from me was a kid whose mom forced him to buy one of the rocks. Oh, that's so sad. She looked at my mom and was like, I get it. You, they got to make these kids work. <laughs> did you, did you, um, you made, how much did you sell them for? I probably like a dollar. And I got to, I got to tell you, I wish I had one of them now. You can make one right now. Honestly, I think that sounds like a great little relaxing activity to go. Paint some paint Ninja some, Turtles on rocks. rocks. No, now I'm going to be, now I'm painting a dino dude. Yeah. Well, the first movie, <laughs> just going to say, the first movie is very violent. Yeah, I got to tell you, people die violent. in Dino Dudes. There's a lot of guns. Yeah, there's a lot of guns. And these people are, they've been blown away. I mean, the Dino Dudes, you don't really want your, like, lovable kid heroes to have guns. Bloody gore onto human bodies. Well, the, they big, do. the big difference is, like, the ninja part. Like they're teenage mutant ninja. These guys are like maybe thirty. <laughs> they're mutant, I mean, and they don't have any martial arts skills, so they just arm themselves with like these punk punk guys' guns. It's I also was, a New know, York they, movie, which is kind of fun. In New York, even though it's it's filmed in '92, it still has like the cheesy '80s aesthetic of like mm. crime in this city is rampant, and so like. You know, there's they're going past Central Park because they're by the museum, and like you remember, like they say, like don't go in there at night because it's like probably post like uh, Central Park Five. Yeah. Uh, and then you know later in the movie, they they're dinos and they're running through the park and they're and now they're scaring would be rapists. Yeah. And and they're rollerblading through, 
and and everybody and like we see we saw like you you actually see a rollerblader get his ass kicked in the beginning of the movie to like to to establish that the park is scary and then right. when this they go through bad. yeah they like knock over all the guys that were robbing um like skaters and and rollerbladers right they're um, like only out to help rollerbladers it's it's really very one note of what they care about and this is one of the few reactions that we have to, to of of disbelief uh the classic drunk guy staring at his bottle yeah he looks he's like he looks in the bottle he he shakes it and then and then uh the other drunk guy sitting next to him is like uh you got any more where that came from because he also wants to yeah. get another look at it doesn't really make sense but it's, i think they're trying to say like, like i think they're trying to say like hey i'm not fucked up enough i'm not seeing dinosaur guys right right exactly like, i want to get in on whatever you're seeing yeah, it's a little bit of like I'll I'll have what he's having. It's a little little bit of or, of a homeless man orgasm. You you haven't really like gotten fucked up until you see a dino dude in rollerblading, in line uh, skating, creaming another rollerblader or skating uh, in this. By the way, God, I, roller disco days could have learned a thing or two. Oh. I mean, uh, so there's a whole, there's a wonderful set piece in Beth- in the by Bethesda Fountain. I mean, that's the, it is a beautiful, oddly saying it, it's a beautiful New York movie. The, yes, they, yes, I, I, you they know really what this, got some great it, locations. It, it doesn't matter how bad the movie is if it's shot in the late '80s, early '90s in New York. It works as a time capsule that makes it instantly Remember, washable. The Hercules in Central Park, great movie. Great, they clearly were like, oh, let's just go to all those locations, and it works. There's a movie that was discovered recently called New York Ninja. I, I think they had to recut it. And it's one of those kind of like Miami Connection movies where they found the old film and, and, and pieced it together. All the shots of the city look great. There's like, it, it's not a good movie, but the city looks incredible. Yeah. 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 It was before they realized like how much value there was in, in, in getting to shoot there. Anyone could do it. Our characters and and I hate that they named them this. They're called Rex. Like our main character is Rex and he's going to become a dinosaur. And his right. best friend, Terry, they're both aspiring musicians. So they want to be, and this is an era of like kid rock and roll where it's kind of like a bright version of hair metal, I guess I would describe it. Yeah, there it's it's got the vibe of a of a you know a Bill and Ted kind of. Yeah, these guys don't seem that cool. They seem like a little behind. They almost seem like the guys from summer school. Yeah, um, there you go. Where where they're like they're not they're they're still they're trying to to nineties it up a little bit, but clearly they're a couple of years behind. Well, I mean, they're I mean they're they're the security guards right at this museum. Yeah, they're and, security guards at um the Natural History Museum and And like they're and they're very bad at it and like it's to be totally honest ridiculous. I they they treat the idea that you being a security guard at the biggest most successful museum in the world is somehow for losers. Mm-hmm. Um because they they are they, everyone, all the snooty, all the snooty scientists and professors look down on them. Except one, like and he's our our kind of father figure, Shiro uh, Hayashi. Is it Shiro or Hiro? Right? I don't. I don't know. Oh, I I, I, I'm, I apologize know. if I'm I'm mispronouncing it. I, I've actually he's a, he's a great martial artist, and he's a little underused. He was in Blood Ninja, which I would love to cover for this show. Um, and he was a he was a, he played the blacksmith in Blade of Urax. In this, he's he goes against type, and he's playing the the head of the dinosaur department. But as soon well, as you see him, you know he's going to bust out some martial well, arts. Well, I mean, also it's it's one of those things where he you know he's playing a, a nerdy scientist. He's he's got glasses, so mm-hmm. you know that he's like a, a quote yes, unquote nerd. Yeah, but he is bursting out of his out of his lab coat like you can see his pecs just flexing underneath that suit and he is he's a he's clearly ripped and it's just they 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 they, they can't hide it uh, he's um i mean he's not like bodybuilder ripped but he's a fucking martial artist and he's like yeah, yeah. he's shredded um he's got veins he's like he's, you see the veins super, yes, like, those are veins super those are veins that don't just like happen naturally that's someone who's like 
putting in the work. Good use of him in the um, the voiceover, which it, uh, lazily tries to gives us kind of the MacGuffin slash inciting incident, which is there is an ancient amulet that harnessed the power of dinosaur bones. I love shit like this, this kind of like pseudoscience that probably, that that pretends science doesn't exist. Like in the Mario Brothers, how like their interpretation of dinosaurs, like they're just like, yeah, they, oh, they, yeah, um, lizard people, lizard and, people uh, look like humans too. And, um, yeah, dinosaurs, now can that have they're a big humans, the only thing that's different is that their hair is spiky. Yeah, that's how it works. But I love this movie is, is so good because it, it, uh, they, they, it's almost like uh, when you come in on that museum, you're, they take you through a room of, of what could any single one of those objects is probably like, the MacGuffin of a different yeah. like kids movie. It feels like they're setting up a, a like a universe. Oh, uh, for sure. I mean, we both fucking guffawed at the end when they act like this is the first of many adventures of the dino dudes. <laughs> yes. And the whole yes, company exactly. went out of business afterward. Um, oh, they did oh, make yeah. a Neo Geo game for this movie Ooh. that, that they, it never got released in this country and it got remarketed in Japan Oh, was it under the name Dino Dudes, or did they just use a different a different name entirely? They used a different name. I think it's like Dragon Punks. Oh, that's that that tracks. I mean that that uh, there's a lot of gamifying going on in this movie too, where you know they um you remember like there's that one action sequence where they're shooting all of the all of the uh, all of uh, the the Bruisers goons Bruisers and, Brood uh, Bruisers Broods, and he's and they're going upstairs like very unnecessarily the building suddenly has multiple sort of staircases yeah. like you're in uh, donkey Kong. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so every, every level they stop and they shoot a couple people and the guy falls all the way down. And it's, it's, it seems like it's already a video game. So they had a lot of designs on this, obviously. The uh, supernova films is infamous for this along with Canon of using the news to get the story ideas across that um, there's a crime wave happening in the city. There's always a crime wave happening in New York City. And um, the local crime kingpin is wanted. His name's Mr. Bruiser, and his gang is Bruiser's Brood. And they're kind of like this version of the Foot Clan, except they're they're not martial arts-based. They're like a hardcore... Um, it, it's, it's as though... They did Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles with Kings of New York or the King of New York with Christopher Walken. Yes. Where it's like a hardcore like gang mafia element. And the guy they got to play. And it's it's not like cheesy kind of like, you know, Italian mafia as much as it's like this is no, no, this is like a real crime. Yeah, this is a crime syndicate that that is like you see them, you see them like mutilating people like they mutilate like there's a boy on a block and like his, his uh, grandfather won't pay them the you know the 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 money and they and you see them chop a little boy's pinky off yeah like as a warning and they, fl- and the they pinky rolls around it, the ground they flick it at the old man yeah it's he's like really maybe you better get some ice <laughs> yeah because he sell it's a bodega he sells ice and he flicks and, it. He flicks it like it's a cigarette at him. And he's yeah, like, "Let's get the hell out of here!" And you're like, "This is rated G." Rated G. This is before they, they like they they didn't. You could skate under it a little bit. If there was no nudity and 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 no the word fuck, then you got a G. You could get a G if you wanted. Mm-hmm. So, uh, Bruiser, since we brought him up, he's played by Dylan Calder. He's he's English. He's English, really? Yeah, yeah. He's doing a New York accent, and he he was like uh, he would get really into character. Uh, supposedly, he got hooked on heroin doing the rock bio for Ob Rec, who uh, died from an OD. So, like, he almost OD'd himself trying to get the character that that close. Wow! Wow! I mean, this look, this character Bruiser, as much as it's an this is an embarrassing movie, like clearly has a has a has a dark, sordid history. He's also feel like, that. he just feels so Rourke out of vibe. place. Yes. Mickey Rourke is a great comparison. 
But his goons are straight out of the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers school of acting, where they are playing it real, real big. Uh, Go-Go and well, Oinker. Go-Go and Oinker at, never have any sort of cross with animals. I, I think that might have been their intention. And maybe there is a pig in the Kinder in the Kinder comics that's named Oinker. I don't remember, but maybe that's the yeah. connection. But you never, you, they never become pigs or anything. No, uh, these are I, just two. These are just like punks. The the one dude. I mean, this was his foray into ch- children acting, but he um, he was in a horror movie called The Brander. The guy who plays the Oinker also played The Brander. Uh, I mean, and it was kind of fucked up. Like the guy didn't kill anybody; he just went around branding people. That's like yeah. much worse. Yeah, that is very scary. It's very I, scary. Uh, people waking up branded with the, with brands what on their head, on their face. Yeah, face body. face primarily, I, but also body. I don't want to. I don't want that to happen to anybody. I think I'd rather die. Yeah, and that's the song that they sing at the end of the movie. So. Our two goofballs are kind of having a nice back and forth. Well, and they're like they're writing these songs in the you know about about history, which I as a kid I loved. I still really enjoy. Like they're being inspired by all of the various artifacts and uh, you know things in the museum. So you're getting you know your Cleopatra song. You're getting. Your Napoleon song. Oh, we didn't talk about the dudes themselves because there's some interesting drama here. Rex, who's the 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 alpha, I guess you would say, of the Dino dudes. Um, he's the Wayne to uh, Terry's Garth. Yeah, he is played by Bobby Breeze, of course, of the notorious Bobbies, who we did one. There a lot of crossover in this episode. Uh, the Bobbies, of course, were the stars of the 80s swim movie Wet Moves. And uh, Bobby Breeze died tragically when he was an Uber driver years after his acting career bottomed out. And this is towards the tail end because. Yeah, he was the very first Uber driver, right? He was one of the first. Yeah, it was very early on. And and you can listen back to the Wet Moves um, if, if people are curious about uh, the Bobbies. A little bit of controversy in there. In Dino Dudes, he mostly did voiceover. So he's in these early scenes. But then I guess he was such a fucking problem on the set. And he was a bad boy and he had a lot of demons. Um, yeah. And, yeah, and mean, it's one of those things. Did we make him or did he like did we force the demons on him? Well, you know, he does accuse a lot of people of molesting him as a child actor. I, sadly, yes, and, yes. So, like, we have to acknowledge that even if 10% of those accusations are accurate, this guy went through some shit. So, it was another actor in the suit, in the dinosaur suit. And then oh, he, really? um, and then he did, he, he, he dubbed it. So he came back. He came back. They, they could get him back to do his voice. They got him back for the voice. I mean, I think they scared the living shit out of him to get him back. Sue him or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but he came so back. So it's a different person in the body. I mean, that's, you know, that's your classic uh, Darth Vader situation. That's all right. Um, and then, uh, you know. and he's got a girlfriend and a, like a lot of the songs are about his girlfriend, Rose, and um, and how much he loves her. His His best friend, Terry, who he writes music with, is played by Damon Green. Damon Green all uh, like did and you know it's it's mostly a vocal role because they're in so much makeup for I, I think that's why they kind of don't I mean, care about the ages, even though they seem a little bit old. It's a it's a like you know, the first twelve minutes they're people and uh you know and then the rest of the movie they're they're dinosaurs. Yeah, and then the last Obviously couple of minutes the, they're people again, but then they can like yeah. turn back the dinosaurs when they want or whatever. Right. Right, um, he, there's that one really weird shot at the end where it's like they're like people, but like then they like kind of look to camera almost, and you and they like lift up their shirt and you see they've got green nipples. Yeah, they and they've still, still got the amulet. Like, yeah, they've they've still got the so like the amulet, they, right. they've like figured out. Uh, we'll get to the end, but like they imply because Rose fucked Rex when Rex was a dinosaur. I mean, they don't show it, but they like have their date night and she's like, make, she's horrified because her boyfriend's a dinosaur right. man, right. you know, 
And but, then, but then when they fuck, well, she's the, like, it, maybe this isn't all bad. But because the beginning, there is a, there is a, again, kids movie, but Rex is uh, impotent in the beginning of the movie. There is a sex scene. Again, it's like not, it's not a graphic sex scene, but they try. She wants to make love. He's, He's like, but I'm nervous movie. about the battle of the bands. Yeah, exactly. And he, and he can't. And like, there's a, there's an impotence there. And part of his journey in the movie. Maybe I'm is sorry. I like yeah. I like Gregor putting the deep the deep uh, insight into this, but yeah, I think that's what they're going yes. for. Yes, they're um, going for that. That's his arc. Is that like? And again, this is a, a terrible kids yeah. movie where they're teaching like if you take control of of your inner dinosaur mm-hmm. and you blow the shit out of a bunch of bad guys with a gun, you will be sexually confident again. It's a little bit like. Uh, Bonnie and Clyde, where it's like Clyde can't fuck until he sees his name in the paper and then he's able to go. It's a little bit that. Uh, Terry, so Damon Green, um, you might recognize his voice if you ever watched Coin of the Realm, a a fantasy cartoon where he plays um, uh, Wardy, Wardy the Goblin. And, oh, Gregor, you would know this dude. There were flyers all over New York when we used to live there for his show in the in the early 2000s. Um, mm-hmm. He did a one man show about his dad being gay. That that he Damon was, Green. Yeah, that was that's this Damon yeah. Green. He had flyers all over the place. It was about like working at his dad's deli and like in their relate and like it was kind of a yeah. corny. Uh, like, it was called the, More Salami, Please. Yeah, and it was. A, I mean, it was sort of. I'm not gonna lie, like embarrassing. I, I went one time. We, uh, we used to be I, a joke. You fucking went. Yeah, man, because it was everywhere, and I was like, oh, look, I'll, I'll just admit it. I, I went, and I, I was pretty fucked up, and I, and I brought some salami, and I threw it on stage, uh, which was That's not encouraged. Up. Yeah. Well, it was uh, like it was on par with my father's Italian, my mother's Jewish. I'm in therapy. Which was yeah, everywhere. it was one of those. It was kind of dinner theater. I mean, yeah. they did. It was they a did joke. Give like, you salami. Yeah, it was a punchline for us at the time because it was yes so seeped. It was like on was every kinda, lamppost. It was a. It, it implied it was dinner theater. That was also just to be fair. Like they they were like, come for the show, stay for stay for the sandwich, and it was they would give you a salami sandwich as like part of the shtick. But this was a terrible salami sandwich. It was like one slice of salami on white bread. So like for a, for a $40 ticket in 2000 and whatever, three, that's not good. So bruiser bust in, they, they are robbing the museum, which is a bold move. I don't know where you fence a lot of that shit, but they're doing it. It's more of a power play because they're at war. Also the complex relationship bruiser has trying to be the biggest criminal in new york he talks about these other factions and it's a whole nother movie that this guy is in and i am convinced this guy is just making up his own shit because he's talking about power plays and how this is going to put them on the map and the other two his his goon squad is looking at him like what do i do i mean i will i don't know if you noticed this but i i i don't think the goon squad and Bruiser are ever actually in the same shot. They always cross cut between a shot of Bruiser standing on one side of the room and the and his like his goofy goon squad mm. on another side. Or they're, they're never in the same shot. I think they might have shot a totally different bunch of bad guys and then re-edited them out and put in our cornier bad guys that maybe like Stan Avery wrote. Oh, that's a good theory. Yeah, uh, because it yeah. does that that checks out. I, I I might have to go back and and examine that further. So Stan Avery Stan Avery would write a lot of really uh, cheesy characters obviously. I mean he's that's his thing. Robbery goes awry. Doctors and scientists and and curators get shot in the museum. Uh our security guards fall into a pile of dinosaur bones and they struggle and both get a piece of the amulet breaking it and absorbing it onto their skin. They can't get it off. And they both morph into dino dudes. Um, right. This is in the wake of the TV show Dinosaurs. It, it has a, the, the costuming has a 
found it in the dumpster of Henson vibe. Uh, like it, it is in the vein of Henson, but like someone who was fired from Henson for, for being an alcoholic. Henson stuff got too close to the furnace. Yep. That's right. That's right. It's uh, it, it doesn't, it never feels like it's moving along with their body. Like uh, it's, you can feel them almost uh, sloshing and sweating around in there. Um, and you know, I, I did hear that um, uh, Damon Green actually uh, passed out from heat exhaustion all over the production. The and it also makes sense why Bobby Breeze was like, "Fuck this, I'm out of here." And then they got like a gymnast yeah. to play Rex, which is why he starts like doing most of the stunts. The dinosaurs have crazy power, and they start throwing these bad guys all over the place. But they start taking too many shots, and they get out of there. Bruiser kidnaps our doctor and are like, what the fuck happened? They don't say fuck, but he's like, what are, what are those guys? And the doctor has to kind of explain his theory. And then of course, bruise is like, I want that. If I got that power, I would be strong enough, not just to take down the other gangs of New York. I could own the whole city. I could take the whole East coast. He's thinking like world domination pretty quickly. They go to Rose, her apartment, and she's all freaked out because they're dinosaurs now. And they barely fit through the door. They have a lot of fun with door comedy. That There's every single door by the end of the movie has a dinosaur kind of silhouette that they walk through. Like the tail and shit is out there. Uh, Rose, played by Alyssa Temple, she she worked in in a lot of B-movies, Beach Volley Massacre. She was in the movie The Fruit of Another where she's like a temptress, like mm, uh, a yeah. young uh, teenage student of of this teacher who has an affair with her. She was also in the movie uh, Buzzer Beaters, which I which is actually a lost episode of this podcast. I recorded oh. it with Seth Morris, and and because of some audio problems, we weren't, weren't able to put it out. Um, Buzzer oh, Beaters was a uh, a heist movie where a bunch of guys were um, on the basketball team robbed their own school. Cool, cool premise. I like that. So these guys want to get their doctor friend back because he got kidnapped, and they think he's the only guy who might know how to turn them back to normal guys before the bit battle of the bands. Right, right. So obviously our guys are are they're so one track minded that they they don't care that the Museum of Natural History was just destroyed. Yeah, that they. They barely care that they're dinosaurs, mm-hmm. frankly. I mean, they, they don't they don't They're not like freaked it. out enough. They're not having a full-blown right. panic attack. They're like, we better get right. and figure this out. Like it's it's a They're just they're nervous about the yeah. upcoming battle of the bands. That's that's their primary they drive. They try for- to have Rose voice it a little bit, but then when she has sex with Rex, she doesn't even really care. No, no, she prefers them this way, obviously. And Terry's and- like, How am I ever gonna get a girlfriend now? Uh, but then, of course, the nerdy girl at the at the museum who is the uh, doctor's really daughter. Dinosaurs. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, Lucy, uh, Sherry Wong. She becomes his love interest. And, and she's got to help no them. She's reason. got some skin on the, in the game because it's like, I, I got to save my dad. And, and, and Right, right. And there was that there was that really silly moment in the beginning of the movie where she dropped her uh, peanut butter sandwich and he dropped his jelly sandwich and they had a mix up about whose half was which and and they had a little data meet yeah the and they're like they're it's actually pretty good together and, and trying to make us think that neither one of them have had a peanut butter and jelly sandwich so one of it, them is having a straight up writing. jelly sandwich every day one of the one of them's having just a peanut butter sandwich which is the driest Pe- peanut butter at least like i can kind of get um, okay, Ben, actually, like, like, let's just get real. You and I are having a pretty important disagreement right now. <laughs> I think that's fucking a disgusting just way peanut to butter. glue your mouth shut. Peanut butter and bread, you might as well, you might as well choke yourself. You are, you're, you're lucky to survive that. There's, you won't be able to open your mouth for, for, for an hour. What about toast? What about toast? What about you put it on toast? It melts it a little bit. You got to have a beverage around. I'm not a fucking maniac. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You think that's better than a jelly sandwich? A jelly sandwich. I think a jelly sandwich is too sweet. 
Uh, two pieces of bread. That's what's cutting cutting it. I could do. You ever one get a piece baguette? Put yeah. some jelly on there. Yeah, I guess I've had I've had jelly jam on toast. Not too too different. This was very sincere. <laughs> I'll put my tail so, between look, my legs maybe, and I'll fucking eat maybe, crow, man. Maybe Dino. Do, maybe, maybe this was better writing than we yeah, than we were giving you credit for. Maybe fucking I I can't shit on Stan Avery like I once did. Maybe they maybe this slice of life conversation we just had was in the original script and it got cut for time. This apartment gets blown to fuck uh, when the bad guys like figure out. Uh, oh, they're probably they go to his house and they see a picture of Rose oh. and then they track down Rose. It's also why I mean this is again this is something these this gang is you know in the vein of New York mafia whatever you know some form of New York criminal organization but they they show up to this place with full-on weapons of war let's talk about the battle of the bands since like so much of it is leading up to that it's pretty you know what i'll give it credit i didn't see it coming because they're putting so much emphasis on this thing that's important in their lives and then they're running away from bruiser's brood and unbeknownst to us the audience they run right through the concert hall and they're on stage and it's like oh shit this is our set to their credit they make full use of the term battle of the bands and it is it is actually a big battle that they have to do while they are fighting bruiser and so it, 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 it certainly strains uh, believability, but they're on stage and they start their song and it's going well. But then obviously Bruiser and his brood, they come on stage and they start fighting them. And, uh, and Bobby and Damon, as dinosaurs, are playing their instruments mm-hmm. while also fighting Bruiser and his brood. The song never stops. The song continues throughout the set piece. And and the, so the crowd is just fucking they're loving, loving it. The it. Crowd, they're losing their. The shit. crowd thinks this is like this is a show. This is like oh fuck yeah, it's like a rock show. Yeah, with dinosaurs. Li- I mean, and also fighting. Unlike uh, Bill and Ted, like the the battle is part of the actual music. It's not like right. a, a sideshow. There isn't a drama. There isn't dialogue. No, no, no. It's like this is this is they they're like we're going to make every we can only afford one set piece. We're going to do we're going to do it all in one. The weird thing about their their performance is how awful they are to the audience. Like I guess oh. that's their thing. Also, their band is called Stegosaur, which is like so wait a second. These so, guys who had no idea they were going to become yeah. dinosaurs, they also named their bands and they're like, "Hey, what's up?" But heads, we're gonna do some music for you now. Right. There's a there's a Johnny Rotten kind of uh, Billy Idol vibe, and uh, yeah, it's uh, it's really lame, and it's um, a lot of kind of like shitty kids insults again. Because this is this is a, a there's no cursing in this yeah. movie, um, and so there's there to me seems to be some pretty clear lip replacements yeah. where they probably did curse. Oh, absolutely with with. Dylan Calder's performance. I mean, he must have been cursed because he's improvising. I, there's some. I assumed it was accent stuff, but I think you're right. I think it was probably more to to cover up some profanity. Oh, there's there's words that come out of their mouths that don't fit their lips even a little. I think they said at one point they they someone clearly was saying, uh, "Fuck you, motherfucker," which is like a. Which is like not, which is like kind of a long couple chunk of syllables, and and the only audio that came out in that in that chunk of lip movement was, stop it. Oh yeah, I mean Bobby Breeze says at one point, "Suck my fat snot." That's clearly not what was written, right? No, no fucking no, way. No, it doesn't make any sense. How can snot be fat? So this ends on uh, the Brooklyn Bridge, and they're battling somehow they're working up, you know, they're working up to obviously getting their Godzilla. Well, yeah. King Br- Kong rip off where they're, where they're jumping off. Bruiser gets like, he has the doctor like get the amulet off the dino. He captures the dino d- dudes. It's like the fucking right. shitty part of the movie. They, the dino dudes are captured. They're fucked. 
Uh, they get they rip off the amulets. It seems real painful. Bruiser gets it. He turns into like a T Rex type fucking uh, monster, and he's super powerful. He goes on an actual rampage, and they try to stop him on. It's not the actual bridge, but it looks pretty good, and and they have to fight with him. They stab him. Yeah, they stab him with with uh because he's really big, so like knives won't do it. So they stab him with an antenna. Yeah. Uh, and it's fucking brutal. It's crazy because so they slice open his chest, and, and I guess as, the blood being green makes it okay somehow, where it's not red blood because it's like a neon green too, and they're all covered in it. It's it's well, I, the sensors the, must have been like it's one, no different than than Nickelodeon. One moment I really liked uh, as like a sort of little nod to the the, the moment in time, like uh, so they're on the upper level of the bridge, and all of the uh, all of the like neon green goop uh, sort of filters down to the lower level. And you remember they cut to that, uh, that cool kid and he's walking, he's wearing like white high tops. And then the, the green, the green goo kind of splatters on his shoe and it kind of makes a, a, a pattern. And then one, another guy walking by is like, yo, cool kicks, bro. And you're like, he's like, yeah, it's very, it's very like, also probably some marketing there. I, I wouldn't mind getting those sneakers in real life. A, a lot of the, the looks are awesome. They're, they, they're back. Even, even the way, uh, Dr. Uh, what's his name was dressed. Dr. Dr. Harada. Even oh. his whole style with the lab coat and shit. Maybe I can't pull it off cause he's fucking ripped, but that's a sexy man. He's also like, let's be real. He, this is this is the just to insult ourselves for one second. You know, he's playing an old man. Yeah, he's probably our age. Oh, hundred percent. Let's just be honest. He's he's he has three or four grays, and uh, and he's in great shape. We would be lucky to be him mm, right now. Really? So, like Gregor brought up earlier, like the the battle of the bands has already, even though like that was. Maybe, who knows how, because they got captured and shit, maybe a day ago, who knows how long they were down for. But because of this battle, all anybody's talking about is the dino dudes. And people are like, "Yeah, Rex, Terry, is that you? Wear the dinosaur suits. It's a, it, it's a sort of magical New York where one independent Battle of the Bands concert could launch a, a stardom career. I love that shit. I love when news stories are like everyone, like I, I just watched the negotiator for action boys and they're watching the news and it's <laughs> like the city's top hostage negotiator did it again tonight. And it's like, yeah, I would it, love it, they, a story like that. Like, of course, like, could you they, imagine throwing bat New York one on and it's like the oh, annual and, battle and of bands took place. Stegosaur. Wolf Blitzer will do any fucking thing you pay him for. It oh. is the most upsetting thing. That dude is a real journalist on real news. Yeah. If you give him $100, he will sit somewhere and say, the, the Tyrannosaurus Rex ate New York City today. It, this guy is a fucking shill. It's brutal. I know. It's it's rough. And he's a Buffalo guy. I want to support him. <laughs> Not easy. Don't, fucking, don't you dare. Don't you dare go home around this. And the name helps him a lot. He's oh, been accused wonderful. of having, and he plays it up with, I think, his hair and beard choices. He was beard yeah. before we were in a beard society. Yeah, he's an old. Gregor, an old have you ever gone beard? I can't. Although you know what, at the strike coming, I found I discovered a bunch of um, when I was looking at my old strike pictures. I I Incredible. tried to grow a strike beard in '07, and obviously in '07 I was really a baby, and I cu I couldn't. It was like even worse how little I could grow a beard. I have, I was taking a picture every week for a hundred So for days. all you non-industry people, there, the, the last strike, uh, what there were, there've been threatened strikes since then, but the last one was Oh seven, right? Was there another one in between? Seven Oh eight. No. And we were living in New York at the time and you had just become a writer. I had gotten into the guild. I mean like, uh, maybe two weeks before, Everybody then, I knew who who like just started to get work that I was like super jealous of, like immediately had to start like going to picket lines. <laughs> yeah, it was really ridiculous. We'd go to 
and it was the middle of the dead of winter. It's freezing. They sent us to uh, Chelsea Piers. Yeah, one a lot day, of stuff at Chelsea the water. Piers. Yeah, because they I guess they filmed they filmed Law and Order there, I think. And they uh, and so it was, I mean anything on the water in early December is is death. You want to kill yourself in New York City for that. And so we had to spend all day just hanging out in this whipping wind. As truly, we got egged once. People were like, fuck you, fucking socialists. Because uh, you, you, Pally, and Doug Mand had just started writing something, we right? Sold a, we'd sold a show to ABC um, for us to for us to star in. And we were very, thought we would make us overnight famous. I was and, in the pilot presentation for that, I think. Um, You were in a different one. Okay. <laughs> Gregor dusted off a bunch of photos from the last strike and they're all they're all fascinating because one, everybody's careers have gone on in fascinating <laughs> yeah, yeah. directions. And two, of course, the classic Oh yeah, where man, were they when man aging. Yes, exactly. But also like plenty of people where you're like where you're like, oh eh, that guy is not uh, okay to hang out with anymore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there were a couple of those, and then some good ones like of you being like, "Did we know this guy?" And it's like, I think that's just oh, a guy yeah. that was there, just a guy. But yeah, I'm very close with him, just holding him, and like you know, you make strike strike line friends, picket line friends. Um, yeah, I met a bunch of people there for the first time. Some of whom I'm still friendly with, who I met from from picket lines. Well, listen, Dan, I'm gonna track down the. Dino Dudes Neo Geo game. That's got to be online somewhere. I mean, and I'm I bringing would love it to over. Play that. that uh, get that on an emulator. I'm, I'm in. That sounds awesome. Uh, well, thanks, it man. Was, yeah. Thanks, dude. A lot of fun. And that's this week's show. Huge thanks to Dan Gregor for doing the show. And I'm happy to report he is out of that recompression chamber. If you're enjoying the Raj tapes, Please tell your friends about it before season one comes to a screeching halt, which is how I'm ending the series, driving the van into a wall. This show is edited by Brian Holmes, and the theme song is by Brett Morris. Until next time, we'll see you on the road.